Welcome to Rethinking Church. My name is Tim, and I'm excited to talk with you a little bit today about something that became really important to me about 10 years ago. I first came across Pete Scazzaro's book, uh, The Emotionally Healthy Church, in 2010, 11, and it began something in me that changed the way I do ministry. It changed the way I make disciples. It changed the way I lead. It changed my life. And it's become uh, something that a lot of us think about and talk about a lot more. Emotionally healthy spirituality and leadership. Emotionally healthy leadership. And this is something that has become so important and is often missing in the church, especially small churches. We carry such big demands as leaders. We carry such heavy weights and this feeling that it all relies on us. And so we pour out and we pour out and we pour out. And we never really pay attention to the things going on inside of us. We don't pay enough attention to who we are, to what we've been through, to the baggage we carry, to the wounds that have been inflicted upon us. And it's time for us as leaders to learn to lead in emotionally healthy ways. We talk a lot in the church about spiritual health, but there really is no spiritual health without emotional health. We will never go deeper spiritually than we are willing to go emotionally. And it has to begin with this perspective shift that makes room for the care of our souls, our mentality, our spirits. It is essential that we are looking at ourselves as leaders as a whole person and operating within our limits and within our boundaries, within our giftings, within our callings, and focused on who we are before we're focused on what we do. Now, it has been uh, it has been researched to death, but we are clear now that the greatest determiner of success in any field, any field at all, is emotional intelligence. Your ability to understand what you're feeling and respond to it in a healthy way and and the the ability to recognize the emotions of the other people in the room and respond to those emotions in a healthy way as well. This is really a struggle for us for a couple of reasons. One is we we just have some general misunderstandings. We look at emotionally healthy people, or we hear this language of emotional health, and we begin to think of soft people. We begin to think of people who are overly emotional or sensitive, and we don't see the strength that it really takes to be emotionally healthy. And the second thing is just the way our brains work. Every stimulus, every touch, everything you see, everything you taste and smell and experience enters your brain through the nervous system and it passes through your limbic brain before it gets to your frontal lobe, which means it passes through the part of your brain that generates emotion before it gets to the part of your brain that contains and is enabled with emotional or rational thought. So we experience everything through our emotions before we get to our rational ability. Now, what this means is that many of us are responding to the various stimulus in our lives with an emotional response 
not a rational response. And, and the problem is most of us don't even realize it. We don't even realize how often we have bought something as an emotional response to the cue or the trigger or whatever it is that we've just experienced. We don't realize how much is designed in the world around us and in our culture to get us to decide emotionally before we have time to think about what it is we're doing. That's why the the candy that your kids will love and the little toys that they will love is right at their eye level at the register of every store. It's why the first thing that a car salesman wants you to do is to get into the car and drive it, to feel it, to smell it, to experience the power of the engine and compare it to the car you drove up in so that you'll make an emotional response about a perceived need or desire for something better. It's why the retail store hides the tags under or inside the clothing so that you have to pick it up and feel it and experience it before you can even find out how much it costs. It's why that price tags are on the bottom of items. So you get it in your hands and your brain tells you you need it before you ever know how much it costs and can make a rational and wise decision. This happens to us in all kinds of things. Now, one of the big problems is that well over half of adults today don't know what emotion they're feeling at any given moment. There are five basic emotions, happiness, sadness, anger, fear, and shame, and then an endless number of iterations based on the intensity of those emotions and the combination of those emotions. You can be feeling lots of things at once, and it's hard to learn to discern those things. And and, and emotional intelligence is the ability to do so, to learn to, to sit with ourselves and to ask, what am I feeling? Not only what am I feeling, but you know, where we really get into trouble is when we start to feel something about the way we're feeling. We feel angry, but then we get angry at ourselves for being angry or we're sad over a loss and we think we shouldn't be sad. So we get upset and we start to feel shame or we, we have happiness and we start to worry and have fear and shame begins to tell us, who do you think you are for feeling that way? And we pull back from the happiness. We're unaware of what we're feeling and what we're dealing with. And when we're unaware, we can't respond in a healthy way. Unhealthy leaders, they lack this self-awareness. They lack the ability to understand what they're feeling, what they're going through, and how it's impacting their decisions, their interactions, their thoughts. And when we lack that self-awareness, we're not able to lead effectively because we can't lead ourselves effectively. Unhealthy leaders, emotionally unhealthy leaders, are going to prioritize the work over the relationships. We're going to prioritize the tasks over the people around us. For me, when we first restarted as Hydrant Church, I struggled with this a lot. There were so many things that needed to be done, especially on Sunday morning, that I would get there long before anyone else. And I was running around doing all of the things that needed to be done. And my wife was fielding questions about whether I was mad or upset or frustrated or what was, was I okay? Because I was running by people to do the tasks that I thought were ministry and not realizing that the real ministry was the people in the room. Now, it's easy to prioritize our work over relationships, to over prioritize the tasks over the things going on. We even 
begin to get this all distorted to the point that we start to think that we lead an organization and we manage people, but we have to prioritize the relationships because we lead people, we manage organizations, we manage things, we manage tasks. The third characteristic of an unhealthy leader is the person who does more work than their RPMs can handle. RPMs is uh, just an acronym that we use around here and others have used as a way of measuring how we're doing in any given moment or any given day. It's a question of how am I doing in my relationships? How am I doing physically? How am I doing mentally and emotionally? How am I doing spiritually? And our RPM sets some boundaries and some limits for what we're able to do and accomplish. And when we start to operate outside of our RPMs, when we start to operate at a faster pace than our RPMs then can handle, then our body begins to react. Our mind begins to react. Our emotions begin to react. And we begin to do what we're doing less effectively, less efficiently, less kindly, and with less love. And it doesn't take long before we can implode from exceeding our RPMs. It's the same thing with any engine. You push it far beyond the RPMs it was designed to handle and you're going to destroy it. The fourth, the fourth characteristic of unhealthy leaders is they lack a work stop rhythm. They lack a work stop rhythm built into the fabric of creation, built into the fabric of creation is a work stop rhythm. And if we ignore that, if we ignore the work stop rhythm of a day, of a week, of a month, of a year, it will lead to burnout. It will lead to poor leadership. It is not how we were designed to operate. Now we get driven into these things from from often from unspoken expectations. Those things drive us and push us. Things like success is only success if it's bigger and better than what was before. So we're driven to produce bigger churches, better services, better events over and over again. And we feel like if it's not bigger than last year or better than last week, then we didn't succeed. And this is a lie that keeps us trapped in these unhealthy cycles, prioritizing the work over the people. Then we we begin to also hear this lie that doing is all that matters. It doesn't matter how you're feeling. It doesn't matter what's going on in you. You've got to keep doing. You've got to keep producing because you only have value when you produce and you make things happen. This leads to an acceptance of the third lie that, that superficial spirituality is enough, that we don't need a deep and enduring relationship with Jesus, but that we, we just need enough to get by and that'll be enough. And then finally, We believe this unspoken expectation, this lie that we're not supposed to rock the boat. If everything's okay, just keep going. If everyone else is happy, just keep going. What we need is real change. We need to become aware of the change that is needed in us. And we need to begin to embrace it and value it and prioritize it in ourselves, in our discipleship ministries, and in our church. Healthy leaders... Healthy leaders do six things really well. The first thing is they know themselves. 
Now, they know themselves to know God. It's Augustine who said that there's really not much difference between knowing ourselves and knowing God, that one leads to the other and the other leads back. And it's kind of this cycle that the more we know ourselves, the more we see God, the more that we see God, the more we know ourselves. But until we know ourselves, we know our stories, we know our values, we know our strengths and our struggles, we're not really going to be able to lead in a healthy way. Not only do they know themselves, they break the power of the past. Lots of us, we have wounds that we carry. We've been hurt by others. We've been hurt by the church. We've been dealing with things that that carry and lead into the future. The problem is these things that happened in the past are determining our actions today without us realizing it. We need to go back, explore these stories, explore these wounds, grieve these losses, and heal from them so that their power is not influencing our present and our future. The third is that healthy leaders, emotionally healthy leaders, deal with their emotions. When they're sad, they figure out why and they deal with it. When they're hurt, when they're angry, when they feel shame, when they're happy, they understand their emotions and they deal with them. They respond to them and they act in them truthfully and wholly and in healthy ways. Emotionally healthy leaders also embrace their limits. This is hard for us as pastors. We want to feel limitless. We want to step into the power of God within us and do all of the things to help all of the people and lead the church into greatness. And we feel like we shouldn't have limits, but we do. We have physical limits. We have emotional limits. We have spiritual limits. We have financial limits. We have limits in our energy. And it's important that we understand those limits and we set up boundaries and margins that protect those limits. And we operate within our limits as a part of our humanity. We embrace them. We don't hide from them or run from them. The next thing that really emotionally healthy leaders do is they live within a rhythm. They live within a rhythm. It doesn't have to be the same rhythm. There are people who have kind of this daily life rhythm and others who have a weekly life rhythm and others who, who kind of think monthly or seasonally and they, they operate in these different rhythms. But an emotionally healthy leader will understand their own rhythm and operate in these rhythms of work and rest and play so that it brings about strength and their best self. And finally, really healthy leaders learn new skills. They realize they don't know everything they need to know to do everything they're being asked to do in the future. So they keep learning and they understand that the more they learn, the more useful they become to the church, to those they love, to God, that, that as we learn, we become more and more of who we're meant to be. So we keep adding skills, but not just any skills. We also add intentionally the kind of skills of an emotionally mature adult. The ability to respond to anger, the ability to deal with conflict, the ability to recognize our emotions, the ability to stop and rest. And we develop these things. Now, one of the things we do need to understand is just it takes time to, to develop real change. Because we'll, we can become aware, and maybe this is a, this podcast the first time you've really thought seriously about what it takes to be an emotionally healthy leader. And you're going to go dive in, and you're going to become aware of the need to lead and think differently. You're going to begin to ponder what that change means and even begin to value, you're going to value the change, value emotional health. 
And then you're going to start to prioritize it in your own life and eventually own it as a part of your values, your identity, and what's important to you. But there's a gap. There's a gap between when we begin to value emotional health and when we begin to prioritize emotional health. This is an action gap where we start to value it and we're testing it out. We have fits and starts and it just takes a while for those actions to really get root in us and become who we are. So don't get frustrated if you start down this path and then you have struggles or difficulties with it. Stay the course. It is through emotionally healthy leadership that we avoid burnout and we have the ability to finish well, to lead well today and into the future as long as Jesus entrusts us with that leadership. I hope that this this podcast was helpful to you. Emotionally healthy leadership is really important to me. If it's important to you, I'd love for you to share the podcast with someone that, that might benefit from it. Go online and drop us a review and help us to continue to get the word out about Rethinking Church. And we look forward to being with you again really soon.